I want to talk to you about what happens when fathers and sons learn to become friends. In part two of Men of Integrity, this is about uh, fathers and sons together. I was 19 when my son was born. And uh, when he was 16, he came to me. I, I was just uh, still 36. My son came to me and he said, Dad, out of all my friends, I'm the only one who likes my dad. I thought, cool. I'm like, I'm like this really cool young dad. And, uh, but a part of me went, that, that's also kind of sad. And then six years later, uh, my second son came along, and he was 16. And just sort of out of nowhere, he said to me, Dad, out of all my friends, I'm the only one who likes my dad. I thought, that, that's kind of sad. I was no longer like fun. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the good dad. I'm the fun dad. We've got to figure out what to do if this is true. So my uh, oldest daughter just started uni, and so I said to her, Amy, out of uh, your guy friends, do any of them like their dads? And she goes, I, I don't know. I said, ask a little. And she called me up about two weeks later, and she said, I've talked to 13 guys. I only found one guy at uni who had much of anything positive to say about his dad. I said, hmm. Let's work on this. So I just put together a simple four-question survey and started to ask young men ages 16 to 23 about relationship with their fathers. Did the first 100, then I did the first 300, then the first 500. And I started to report these because I was talking to men's groups various places. started to report these. And I had men come to me and said, why did you stop at 23? Do you think it's any different if you survey men like 23 to 40? But we'll try it. So I started to do a couple hundred of those. By the time I'm done, I've now got over 1,500 surveys. And as we pull together, it really, you can put a title on this called When Fathers and Sons Become Friends. Here's the four very simple questions we started with. What's the best aspect of your relationship with your father? A lot of guys have to pause a long time. They don't know what to say. Haven't really thought about that. Um, sometimes it comes quickly. Second one. What do you wish was different in your relationship with your father? Usually there's something to say pretty quickly here. Number three. One regret, one regret you have about how you've responded to your father. I didn't want these questions to blame dad. I wanted, I wanted the younger men to take responsibility for their own actions and interactions. So one regret I have about how I've responded to my father. The final one, if you could change one thing about your relationship with the father, what would you change? Here's how the responses started to come in. The first one, and, the, and the, the overwhelmingly most common one, I wish we were closer. Now, again, most men around the world, by the way, I've done this now, I've done this research in eight countries. Um, I have no responses of that original um, over 1,500, none from Western Australia, but I had a pretty good sampling of almost 60-some uh, from eastern, the eastern states. And although men don't use the word intimacy, that's what they're asking for. 
I, I, I want to. I wish there was this sense of being closer to my dad, so we could understand each other. When you're younger, I wish you could understand me. That sense of being connected, being understood, being valued. When I first moved to New York, it was uh, 1994. I had a. I was invited to speak at a. Black Men's Conference. I was the uh, I was one of several speakers, and they gave me the worst time slot. Time slot. It was a Saturday afternoon, late afternoon. I was the only white guy there. Five hundred black men and me. And they gave me the worst spot of the afternoon, and they wanted me to talk about men and emotions, men and feelings. Going, oh, this is going to be great. So I thought, ah. Uh, it's just before dinner. I'll make it a little short. I'll let them out early. They'll like me. It works. So Diane and I actually booked a dinner with another couple. I said, I'm probably going to be out early. We can do this. So I did this thing on men and intimacy, men and emotion, men and feelings. And uh, there was times when I was talking that these guys looked at me like I had two heads. It's like, are you, what? Buddy, are you from another planet? They brought in a white guy to talk about feelings of 500 black men. What is this? We're doing this reverse uh, discrimination thing. We're going to torture him later. Well, I finished finished up early. Thought I'd send them on their way. I packed up all my stuff and was getting ready to go. Looked up and there was a pretty good-sized line formed. And I thought, uh, I'll uh, go through these conversations pretty quickly. And the guy started to talk. And the most common response I got was, I've never heard a real man talk about this before. Now, it's interesting to me that this perception of real man, it's a significant one out there. Um, It's one of the ones that men in the church, particularly ministers in the church, grapple with. Because there's some pretty strong research, particularly in the U.S., um, in various different communities, that men have a hard time respecting their pastors. A, they've not worked a regular job, regular job, they talk about other kinds of stuff. They can't see their pastor hanging out with uh, some of their friends, guys from work. There's just issues there. The other thing is, the, other, the second group that men have a hard time respecting is typically counselors. Just how it is according to the research. Uh, Barry, we love you, but um, those other kind of counselors. You know those guys, uh, those other kind of guys. Um, and so for me to be the only white guy at this black men's conference talking about men and intimacy, I thought, ah, we'll just see how it goes. But the guys kept saying, you're the only real guy, the only real man I've ever heard talk about this. Well, I tried to get through the first few, and I noticed the line just kept getting longer. It was supposed to be dinner time. They had an evening session, and men weren't leaving. And it became problematic um, it was the earliest days of cell phones, so I borrowed somebody's cell phone and called Diana and said, look, I know I'm supposed to meet you, but I still got a number of conversations going here. It actually became so problematic that somebody came to the microphone without checking with me and said, Martin has agreed to talk as long as you guys want to talk, so why don't you all go to dinner? He'll still be here because the line's long. He'll still be here when you get back. Let's do dinner in shifts, so you guys go and then come back, and he'll still be here. They, as, the, as the afternoon wore on, twice they got up and made two more announcements, postponing the evening session. 
just because everybody wanted to talk. By the time I was done, 275, they tell me, of the 500 men stood in line to talk. Some of them, up to three hours, stood in line. I thought, this is really strange. This is very strange. By the time we were done, that concept of, you're the only real man I've ever heard say this stuff. Guys were telling me, because I was asking, they've never had a relationship with a father figure in their life. Very large black men, much larger than me, some of them. The time we were done, they were in tears, and literally, I was holding them. Awkward. I thought, got to do this. I walked away from that experience shaking my head going, this thing's bigger than I know. It's bigger than I know. I just wish I was closer with my dad. Second one. I wish we could talk. Notice the we. This is not about that. I just I wish we could talk. And the, the, the context is, I wish we could talk deeper. One of my favorite quotes comes from uh, interviewing 30 young lads in a pub in Northern Ireland on a Saturday afternoon. It's fun. You get paid to do this. This is a great thing. Sitting in Northern Ireland in a pub, talking to 30 young, uh, young lads about relationship with dads. And one of the guys said, see, we, we don't get to have deep talks with our dads. We wish we did. He said, in Ireland, we talk about the thing we, we uh, get to talk with our dad about is the three B's. He said, tell me the three B's. He goes, ball, soccer, ball, beer, boobs. I said, okay, ball I get, beer, you, obviously you're gifted here. Um, what, what, what's the deal? How do you have conversation about boobs? Like, is this, is this what you mean about talking about women? He goes, no. Um, some woman walks past, and your dad, who's had a couple of drinks, goes, look at those. Are you serious? And I go, yeah, that's about the closest conversation you ever have with your dad about meaning of loving a woman. I said, are you okay with that? And overwhelmingly, the guy said, give anything to sit around and have the conversation we're having now with my dad. But I bet you would. i to tell you, that has been repeated around the world of young men saying, I'd give anything if the conversations we're having right now, I'd have with my dad. I wish we could talk. I wish we could talk about deeper stuff. Now, if they're wishing they could have that, what are they looking for from their dads? Dads to bring it up. Dads to initiate. Dads to give a signal. It's okay. All of those and more. Conversations with my sons when they were teenagers. It was funny as I look back. I would uh, I'd ask them about temptations and porn and, and girls and stuff. And the key is always, how do you bring it up? Dads always report. Now, try to have the uh, the uh, the uh, the sex, sex sex talk with my son. So I hope you are clearer than now when you talk to him, because if you stuttered like that, he's going to say, "Dad, what do you, what do you need to know?" Um, <laughs> I've actually had sons tell me their dad had the sex talk with them without ever mentioning the word sex, but they had the the talk because they were supposed to have it. 
So I, I uh, say to, to my sons, uh, my youngest son in particular, say, Eric, come on, you know, crowd you hang out with, places you go, there's pornography all over the place. How you doing with that? He goes, Dad, how am I supposed to answer how am I doing? I said, big temptation to you? And he goes, how do I define big temptation? Said, okay, you want to spell this out? And he goes, what are you asking? I said, well, I was trying to just open it up and see if you wanted to talk. He goes, I don't want to talk about this to you. I said, do you need to talk about this with somebody? He said, today? No. Last week? No. A while back? Probably. Okay. He said, when you ask me these questions, like how big a temptation is it? How am I supposed to gauge that? I said, okay, that's a good, that's a good question. Here's how you gauge it. Do you find yourself when, you're, when it's around, you go, oh, I like this. I like this too much. Do you find yourself going, ah, oh, this is cool. These are fun images. That puts you in the normative range. It's when you go past that and start going, yeah, I've got to figure out how to find some of this, like you're trying to find drugs or like you're trying to find something else that's addictive. It's if you find time to be alone so you can do this alone. If you're finding you're restructuring your life in some way to find time, private time, when you can just be like this and nobody else knows about it. That's when you've stepped over the line. He goes, I guess I'm good then. It's okay. Can I bring this up from time to time? And he goes, you'd feel better if we did, right? That I would. He goes, it'd probably be good for me, but I'm not going to ask for it. I said, how often's too often? He goes, once a year? I said, how about if we go every six or eight weeks? And he goes, okay, no more. Okay. We create the guidelines. Now, the key is where you do those conversations as well. Figured out sitting eyeball to eyeball. Men don't have conversations. Look each other in the eye. Men have the best conversations on a road trip. Driving down the road, looking out the window. Fishing, where you got your backs to each other. It's interesting dealing with direct and indirect cultures. No, theoretically, you're a direct culture. You don't like something, you say it. However, when it comes to the private stuff, you're a little less of a direct culture. I was working with doing mentoring networks across Russia, and we were trying to figure out how to get Russian men to talk. Well, the easiest thing is once they've had a bunch of vodka, they talk. But if they haven't had enough vodka, what do you do? We figured out a way to get men to talk in these kind of conversations. Russian saunas. Guys love sitting in those things. So... And, uh, I mean, sit in there for hours, sweat it out. They think it's a good thing. So we started having all of our mentoring meetings in Russian saunas. Men sit there naked together. Your back's turned to somebody, beating each other with these leaf things. So your back almost bleeds. In an indirect culture, which Russia is, in an indirect culture, you can say stuff as long as you're not looking at somebody. Men engaged in deep conversations when their backs turned to each other. I don't care. It's just how do you get it done? wish we could talk deeper. So if you're wishing that with your father or with your sons, um, maybe if you were naked and had your backs to each other, you could talk better. Just take a shot from the Russians. I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying it works in Russia. Maybe take a trip to Russia. It could work for you. 
I wish he listened more. This one's specifically about dad. I wish he listened more. Last uh, Sunday in my message, I talked about interviewing 50 men in Canada from all walks of life. And the 86% of them, their number one or number two response was, people show honor or respect to me when someone listens to me. Listening is high value in male relationships, families and beyond. Wish my dad listened. This one was passionate responses from younger men, especially the 16 to 23 year old. My dad yells. My dad does all the talking. My dad doesn't listen much at all. Part of it is don't feel like someone often has much to say. Your job is to set him straight. Come on, what's he know? He's a kid. Number four, I, I wish he yelled less. There's just this overwhelming response that when, when dad is talking and if it's not going well, his voice goes up, his tone changes, his intensity goes up. And whether he's actually angry or not, it feels to the sun like dad's yelling. And this one came up overwhelmingly in a lot of cases. Even dads who said, I'm not angry. Really? Well, just your response <laughs> seems like you are even in how you're responding to this. What? What am I supposed to do? Okay, maybe if you said nothing and listened. Let's start with that one. Let's just do that one. I wish he yelled less. Notice. Notice something. Three of the first four responses, and these are sort of the order they're reported in, are about communication. And men around the world struggle with communication. But three of the four are about that. Number five. Very specifically, I wish he wasn't so angry. This is a big one. The reports of angry dads. Now, you're saying, what's the difference between him yelling and anger? Tone of voice is one thing. Anger is when it's often expressed in more than just voice. It's the look, it's the words, it's threats. Various places around the world, physical violence is a part of that that doesn't go away. Spanking a child when they're young is one thing. There are dads who don't know when to stop. And they make threats. You do it again, I'm going to put your head through that glass. You do that again and I'll... And there's some sort of threat that goes with that. It's still there. Number six. I wish he didn't always have to win. That's that competitive spirit in men. But it was interesting listening to sons. Because the warrior spirit is one thing. The competitive spirit, it's one thing. But when you humiliate a six-year-old, that's a whole different thing. And then six-year-olds turn into 16-year-olds. And 16-year-olds go, my dad still thinks he has to win at everything. Except he knows he can't beat me now, but he cheats. He cheats. He changes the rules. He gets mad and walks away. He gets mad and yells and walks away. He rejects me. He always has to win. It's arguments, it's discussions, it's opinions, it's races, it's games. My dad always has to win. 
I did what I thought was a fun thing, and it ended up okay. But having done this research, I thought this could have been a bad thing. Part of it was motivation for me. I guaranteed my oldest son that when he was 16, I could still beat him at 50-meter race. And uh, I had a really good day, and he got a slow start. I won. He wanted a, a rematch. I said, no way. This one's going to carry me the rest of my life. second son came along and he heard about this and he goes, Dad, you, you still on to beat me? And I said, look, you're faster than your brother and I'm six years older. I don't think that's going to happen. And uh, somehow, magically, uh, I did it again. But uh, I, seriously, I think he let me win. It was good for my ego. It's helped our relationship and I'm great grateful for it. It's fun how these work, though. Because this, I've had sons say, I'm bigger and stronger than my dad. When he gets really angry, I know I could beat him. And I want to beat him sometimes. But the thoughts of hitting my dad, like I'm, I'm angry enough to do it. But I, I can't do that. Good. Yeah. Hard on the relationship. But I wish he didn't always have to win. See, there comes a time when it's more mutual. It's not just races. It's not just games. It's when your opinions matter. When you matter. It's ways to validate the progression of a son. No matter how old he is. Number seven, I found overwhelming on both sides. Notice this is not about um, one or the other. It's about both. I wish he could respect me more. This is the father saying it to the sons and the sons saying it to the fathers. We've not figured out mutual respect very well. Men have a hard time with this honor thing. How do you honor each other? As you get older, your dad wishes you could honor him. He wishes there was this mutual respect going back and forth. Even if he doesn't offer it to you, he wants you to give it to him. There are fathers who demand it as they get older, when they don't deserve it. And there are sons who are just wishing everything if they could get their father to show them some respect. One of my clearest stories from this was a guy in Canada who had done really a good job in life. His, uh, he'd, uh, he was almost 40. He was one of the older guys that we let take the survey. He'd had really good professional success. Um, he had uh, achieved uh, uh, not only professionally, he, academically, he had a doctorate. He had uh, three great-looking kids, saw the picture, ended up, I connected with this guy and, and uh, met, with, met his family over dinner one night when I was flying through. Um, his dad had been a diplomat. By the time this kid uh, went to uni, he'd lived in 14 different countries. Um, they'd had money. In many ways, he'd had a great life, except in relationship with his father. At 39 years old, he, uh, he, he called me and said, I'm going to have a meeting with my dad. My dad's uh, was early 70s. 
just about 70. He said, I'm going to have a meeting with my dad. He said, my dad still treats me like I'm a stupid kid. He said, I, I, I supervise hundreds of other people's um, lives and, and careers. Um, I've got professional success. He said, I, I want to have a meeting with my dad. Just, I want him to update his view of me. So it was over Christmas, and they met at Dad's place. They're going to have this conversation. Ken started the conversation with his dad. He said, Dad, I just want to talk to you. He said, I'm doing well in life, and started to enumerate some stuff. He said, it would really be nice if we could move into a relationship a bit more mutual. And uh, he said, he just made a couple of statements said he'd probably been talking less than four minutes. And his dad stopped him and he goes, what do you say? He said, Dad, look, I'm a man. I'd like, I'd like our relationship to be very mutual and we'd be men together. He said, my dad, we were in the parlor. My dad stood up, looked down at me, and he said, I will always be the dad. You will always be the boy. That's how it is. It's how it will always be. And he walked out of the room. He called me on Christmas. He said, what do I do? His voice was choking back all sorts of emotion. He said, what do I do? He said, that's how it is. Now, we're going to get some men. And uh, we're going to have a meeting. And we're going to validate you in whatever way it takes for you. You're, not, you're never going to get it from your dad. If he'll have some awakening in his 70s or 80s, fine, but don't count on it, buddy. You're a man. You know you're good. We'll get a, the company of men, and we're going to validate you as a man because you're not going to get it from your dad. That's how it is. Number eight. This is not about he, but uh, it's, a, it's a mutual thing as well. Wish he could communicate. Wish he could communicate feelings. Wish he could communicate love. You might as well take the phrase, I, my dad never told me blank. My dad never told me blank. I've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these blanks filled in. My dad never told me he was proud of me. My dad never told me I mattered. My dad never told me he loved me. My dad never told me blank. Now, lest you think this is uh, some sort of American thing, not at all. This has been done, original research, eight countries from now up to 16. This stuff documents around the world. My dad never told me blank. So dads, it's a good thing to sit back and go, what didn't I say that I can still say? Because somebody would like to hear it. And if you're sitting here going, I'm never going to hear it from my dad. He's either passed away or he's never going to have the ability to say it. Then that's where we become the company of men who do this for each other. You never heard it from your dad. But let me tell you, you're the kind of guy who you fill in the blank for that guy. And the final one, I wish we, and again, this is a we thing because it's not just sons saying this about their fathers. I wish we could become friends. When this one started to pop up in the research, I thought, it'd be interesting to see how often this comes up, because this would be a great title to a book, When Fathers and Sons Become Friends.
It's mutual. It's mates. It's peers. You can do this. You can do this. Now, what fascinates me is the cultural differences here. I already mentioned Russia. Um, when I when I got the research going in Russia and got the results back, it was fascinating to see when you've grown up under communism, you don't communicate a lot of things. Uh, there's something about communism that just sort of almost paralyzes the human soul in so many ways. And relationships is one of those. But the Russian guys gave incredible insights into just what they didn't get from their dads. They weren't hard on their fathers at all. They said, he never got it. More than that, it was just survival. Like we worried every time he went out, was he going to come home? Was he going to mess up? Was he going to be sent to work camp? Those are whole different issues. It's been interesting to do family conferences and then get to do some of this research with the Chinese men, particularly people who've grown up in mainland China, again, under communism. And to the strong authority figure of uh, the Asians. And to realize then how much men didn't get. And then to have conversations with fathers who would say, I have no idea how to communicate what I'd like to to my family. Now what, what fascinates me is there will be cultures where men want to do it, but don't know how. So they don't. They don't learn the skills. They don't try. They just quit and go, yeah, I, I don't know how to do this. In the African culture with AIDS running, uh, African continent with AIDS running the way it is, men just refuse to have conversations with their sons about how to prevent AIDS and sexuality. We are told every time we go to Africa, especially countries where AIDS is rampant, men in Africa don't talk about sex. I said, when we have, if we're going to have anywhere from a few hundred to a couple thousand leaders. We're going to talk to them, so I bring physicians with me. And I say to men, if you don't talk to your sons, if men don't talk to other men about responsible sexuality, women and children suffer and die. This is not about people having hurt feelings. This is about people dying. And if you don't do your job, women and children suffer and die. So I bring along doctors who stand up physicians and just talk about what it's like medically and stuff. And every time they finish with, men, if you don't have these conversations in your area, women and children suffer and die. Come on. Time to have the conversations. Mentioned African-American men who just said, never had a real man have this conversation with me before. Don't have much contact with father figure in my life. <coughs> Excuse me. But because of that, then generations are passed on with no father figure in their life whatsoever. See, so much about life is learned from a father, a father figure. So much. My sons have both said to me, Dad, it's hard to believe you've become the man you have been <clears throat> with losing your dad at 15. My oldest son is um, 33. 
youngest son who's coming in about 12 days is 27. And both of them said, when I look at 15 and the decisions I've had to make, when I look at 15 and all the things I've gone through, all the stuff, the mistakes I've made, everything, so much of who I am as a man has come since 15. And you've been there for me. We've had these conversations. How did you do it without a dad? I said I was fortunate that I had some some male figures come into my life as mentors. And at times when I needed them most, they seemingly were there. I said it's a lot better if it's a dad or a grandfather. So for those of you who are men here, let's make a covenant together. Let's eat healthy. Let's live long. Let's have these conversations with the men in our life. Please. Look at the next slide. Does anyone know any families like this that want greater intimacy? That wishes, that has a father that doesn't listen well? Where the father tells and gives her opinion. Where the father's always right. The father yells and is angry a lot. Father's competitive, always has to win. And where people in the family just don't feel like they get the respect they want, need, or deserve. Do you know any families like that? Yeah, I bet they're around. And I think, I think we're at a time in history where we've got a chance to do something about that. Sort of need you to sign up for this, guys. Come on. It's time to deal with our own stuff, though. Take a moment, just sort of sit back and reflect. Let's ask this question. So far, what's been your response to today? It's not a feeling question. What's been your response? Are you going, yeah, I'm kind of getting it, or you're bringing stuff up. I'm not sure I know how to do this. Or, hope the bloke beside me gets this, because I'm not going to. What's been your response to today so far? Now, let's start working a strategy here. Begin to identify one or two things that, that we've covered today that dislike, you dislike, or that scare you. And go, can't see myself doing that. Be specific. What are they? If you don't do this, you're just going to leave with a general sense. Eh, it's okay. Not what I'd hoped for. Or, yeah, it was pretty good. Not sure what to do with it. To make this pretty specific, what's one or two things you just didn't like, you can't see yourself doing, or just scare the crap out of you? There's guys who say, I don't know what it is. I could have conversations with other men about women, but have conversations with my sons. Man, that'd be hard. By the way, dads, if you're ever going to talk to the, your sons, no matter how old they are, yeah, don't, don't start talking about, uh, don't think a good place to jump in here is talking about your own temptation and lust. Your sons don't want to know that about you. They also don't want to know how good sex with their mom is. Just, yeah, da- no, seriously, dads make that mistake. 
you know, your mother and I still, no, Dad, don't go there. Don't go there, please. She's my mother. I love her. Don't touch her, buddy. Don't touch her. She's my mama. Don't, don't do that. If so, wait till I'm gone and on another continent. Come on, buddy. Don't tell me that stuff. <laughs> now, can you identify two or three things? You're going, I can do this. I can do this. I can see myself saying that. I can see myself having those kind of conversations. I can see myself starting a conversation by saying, you know, when this happens, what, what goes on in your mind? I can see myself taking one of my sons on a fishing trip. We got our backs to each other. We can have that conversation. A road trip. I can see that. Now start to get a plan in your mind. Because if not, this will just be one morning spent, and for a few of you, one morning potentially wasted. 